All right, everybody, welcome back in to the Robin Stew Show. Big week, big week on the show here. If you haven't caught it already, Phil Steele talking Big Ten football. Go check him out, philsteele.com. Shout out, shameless plug. Hook up, hook up the boys. Um, great show today. Fan favorite. One of our biggest, I, I would say one of our biggest, uh, certainly our biggest baseball expert. But one of our bigger shows on a routine basis involves our guest today, a nice young man hailing from a small little state called Maryland. He's got he's got a phenomenal show locked on O's because, I mean, at this point, everybody's locked on the O's because they're great. Connor Newcomb, welcome back, brother. Good to see you. Yeah, thank you guys both for uh, for having me back on. Dude, hey, I mean... People love talking O's this year. Take the floor. And, I mean, red hot, 74 wins. I mean, they're uh, – Baltimore's rolling. I mean, they're just – and they're a fun team to watch. It's not even – they're not a team like everybody's sick of. Like, I think the Astros, like, everybody's had enough. But they're great. I mean, I'm not going to say they're not. Um, the Braves with their dominance. I mean, they should shut down that. America's team, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the players they come up with, and it's just unbelievable. Year after they've been, I'm 38. They've been torturing me almost my whole life. I mean, they just players on players. But now this O's team is fun. I mean, I didn't enjoy when they came to Philly. That series we had with them. I mean, they have some really good young players, and they got better players on the way. Yeah, it's it, it's been fun actually. Today here here on Tuesday has kind of been a, a fun day for Orioles fans because Baseball Prospectus does their kind of like Pakoda projections at the beginning of each year, and they're for a projection system usually pretty accurate. And they had the Orioles going 74 and 88. Well, the Orioles sit at 74 and 45 today after last night's win. And I don't think the O's will go over to finish off the season. So I think they're going to break the uh, 74 win pace. Um, so that's been a fun one. That projection system also had the Yankees winning almost 100 games. So people have been looking at uh, at that one with a little bit of a side eye as well. But yeah, it's that's it's been tough. fun. And I mean, you, you know, the 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 streak that's been really cool for the fans, I mean, outside of, you know, they're, they're almost 30 games over 500 here in August is with the win over the Padres Monday night to open up that series. Now, 78 consecutive series without being swept for the Orioles. They have not been swept since Adley Rutschman was called up last May. So even when they hit a little bit of a rut, it's not a full-blown panic. It's not a full-blown losing streak. They lost six of seven at one point earlier this year. They somehow finagled losing six of seven without ever getting swept. There are a couple of four-game series in there that helped them out. But when you're not really going on long losing streaks, you can afford to have a couple of bad games here and there when you know you're going to bounce back. Again, that is a long time without being swept in a series. And they've made it this far, and you just know they're going to put up a fight at some point, even if a team seems to have their number. And not getting swept in that long, I think, really bodes well for the postseason because this is a team that, no matter how bad they may even look sometimes in the first two games of a series, they have always come back and avoided a sweep and kept themselves in something. And I think that's going to make them really pesky in the postseason. And I mean, I'm at the point, like on my podcast, when I go on other shows, like you've got the projection systems, you know, fan graphs and baseball reference, both have the Orioles at over 99% to make the playoffs now. Like it is real. Like they're going to the postseason. The conversation now was more like, what can this team do when they get to October? And it's crazy that this quickly, the conversation has turned to that for the Orioles. I thought for biggest streak, you were going to bring up the 273 straight wins over the double race. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to yeah, bring well, up that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. 
uh, incredible stat. It's the only way I keep myself on the air is, is, <laughs> is bringing up that stat every podcast. Yeah, you have to. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment, but you did bring up an interesting point. You got to start thinking postseason. Uh, we saw Colton, Colton Kowser go down. I, I'm a Colton Kowser guy. I, I see the t- the talent, the potential. He just, you know, it's a tough, tough transition. He got on base, which is a good start. It just, and it seemed like he was connecting with pitches. It just, he was hitting it right at guys. Yeah, but, I mean, for, for oh, Colton Kowser, it, it, it's interesting for him because the struggles he's had are so similar to what happened to Gunnar Henderson early this year where Gunner was getting on base, right? I mean, Kowser was walking at an 18% clip. I mean, that's like tops of the majors if he does that over a, over a full season. But he was striking out a lot. Really what he was doing was exactly what Henderson did early this year is he was too passive. He was basically taking the first pitch every single at-bat, was getting behind 0-1, and it's hard to hit from behind in every single at-bat. Henderson finally started to get aggressive, broke out, and is now, I think, the favorite for AL Rookie of the Year. The difference between the two is two things. One, the Orioles back in April could afford to play a guy who is having those struggles every single day. They can't right now in first place. And the second thing is Gunnar Henderson is just a better player than Colton Kowser is. And so you had more confidence that he was going to turn it around quickly. Not that Colton Kowser is not good. He's a great player. But Henderson was the number one prospect in baseball. So it's a little bit different there. And it, it is kind of weird. You know, who would have thought, you know, early this year? I think Nathan Ruiz, the Baltimore Sun, uh, tweeted this out, put this in his story yesterday. It was like, who would have thought that in mid-August, the Orioles would have put Aaron Hicks on the roster to take away a spot from Colton Kowser, and everybody would have said, you know what, that was the right move. Like, that's where this Orioles team is at now with the depth that they have. Well, I want to get a little bit, you know, we're talking about, obviously, the lineup a little bit, but Jack Flaherty. Uh, what do you think about him coming over from St. Louis? Like you said, the playoffs, that's always the biggest thing when you get in these playoffs. You get in the, you know, that first series, five-game series, it's tight. Anything can happen. Uh, you know, a little bit like that. What would you think about Flaherty coming over? I mean, that was a great pickup. Yeah, it wasn't the big splash. I don't think that a lot of Orioles fans wanted that I wanted. I mean, it was it was nice to know that the O's were involved in those trade talks with the Mets for Justin Verlander. Like, that was really nice to see. I think it was at a point where Verlander just was not going to approve a trade to the Orioles. And so the O's went and looked at, okay, what are our next best options? They were in on Michael Lorenzen. I do know that just couldn't strike the right deal. The Phillies were willing to give up a little bit more and that's worked out so far for Philly, I would say, but Jack Flaherty's looked solid. You know, he starts tonight for his third start in an Oriole uniform. And I think the best thing about bringing Flaherty in is he was kind of the youngest of all those guys that are impending free agents because he came up so early with the Cardinals that he's, he's only 27, 28, and he's about to be a free agent. The other thing is, like, he had the most postseason experience out of a lot of those guys that were kind of rental pitchers that are a little bit cheaper. He pitched throughout all of those postseason runs for the Cardinals, you know, in the late 2010s. I mean, he was basically their ace in 2019 when they went to the NLCS. Like, he's pitched in the postseason. Now, he's not the same pitcher now that he was a couple of years ago. But if you don't have Jack Flaherty, I mean, you're looking at a postseason rotation where the postseason experience is Kyle Gibson's three innings in the playoffs last year with the Phillies. Like, that's all you're looking at. And so at the very least, getting a guy in the clubhouse who's done it before, who started postseason games, started big postseason games, I think is going to be a real help. And I think the O's have already started to tinker a little bit with Flaherty, trying to get him closer to what he was a few years ago with the Cardinals when he looked like he was going to maybe turn into an ace at some point before the injury struck. 
And I just think it was a nice pickup. They didn't give up too, too much. They made the rotation better. Would I have rather had Verlander? Of course I would have, but I, I do think it's a move that that definitely helped the team. I wanted to I'm ask surprised you, you say you don't think of, he would have uh, starting pitching. You got John Means coming up soon too, right? I mean, yeah, is and- he gonna be available? Is it I know he's throwing, I and that's encouraging. John Means, um, when he's right, I mean he's he's a really, really solid top of the order guy. Yeah, so kind of as we speak now, about an hour from now, he's going to make his second rehab start uh, in double-A Bowie. So he made one last week. It was two innings. It was your typical kind of first rehab back from Tommy John where you know he threw 25 pitches, barely doing anything, but he's out there on a game mound pitching against some legitimate prospects in double-A. So he's going to do it again tonight. They're targeting early September. I think they're going to do, you know, that major league rules are you can stay on a rehab assignment for 30 days. It sounds like they're going to give him the full 30 days of the rehab assignment. So that would set him back about September 8th was when he would be back with the Orioles. I'm not really allowing myself to expect him to just rejoin the starting rotation. You know, he hasn't pitched. He made two starts in April last year, went down with the Tommy John had a setback that wasn't elbow related, had a little back muscle pull while he was doing his rehab this summer, which pushed him back even further. So you're really getting a John Means in, they're saying early September, so let's just be safe and say mid-September, you're getting John Means back. Can you really trust him to put him back in the rotation? I can for opening day 2024, but I don't think I can late this year. Now, one good thing is when Means first came up in 2019 with the Orioles, He was used as kind of a bridge man reliever, and he was really, really good in that role for about six weeks before the Orioles finally put him in the rotation, and he ended up being the Orioles' only all-star that year in 2019. So he's done that role before. It's a bullpen that has some holes and needs some help. I think that's where he'll fall in. But the issue is, like, you still can't expect him to be, you know, 2021 John Means. You just can't. It's been you know, a year and a half, even more coming off Tommy John. You just never know what a guy's going to look like, but it is nice to know that if they get nothing from John means they can still win because they've done it all year. And so anything he gives them in September is just going to be like a little bonus. And I do expect him to compete for a postseason roster spot. I just don't see him coming back and just sliding right into the rotation and looking like exactly like he did two years ago. Roberto, you had something. I cut you off. No, no, no. I cut you off. I go back and forth. Uh, I, I tell you what, this American League this year, I I mean, to me, it's the big four. It's Baltimore, it's Tampa Bay, it's Texas, and it's Houston. Between these four, I think this is going to be one hell of a playoffs in the American League. I mean, I won't, I'll be honest with you, that the Texas Rangers shocked me. I mean, I know you're a big baseball guy. I don't know if they surprised you where you thought they were going to be this good. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous when they gave DeGrom that money. He ends up going down, but now they add Scherzer. He looked good last night. Um, you know, you hate to see what he did to the Mets. So you really do. I mean, Verlander is just a shame. shame. I, it's a shame. I, I think I think I'm going to pour one out for all the Mets fans that listen. But, you know, it's really a shame. But, now these big four who, I, you know, obviously Houston I thought would be there. Uh, Tampa Bay and Baltimore are a surprise to me. Somebody that doesn't pay a lot of attention to the American League, but you guys got to be pumped for these playoffs, man. I mean, this is this is awesome. I know what it's like. Like last year, the Phillies broke 11 straight years without making the postseason. I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's such a great feeling when the team's going to the postseason, especially in baseball. Um, 
But what's your feelings on this American League and the big four? Yeah, I will say, you know, it's definitely a big four. And I think, you know, the Blue Jays have the talent to do something. They just, they've looked so discombobulated all year. It means like, it's like the pitching gets a go and they can't hit. The bats get it going, the pitching goes down, the bullpen struggles. I don't know about that Blue Jays team. The Orioles are also eight and two against the Blue Jays this year. So every time I've watched them up close, it's like, this team doesn't belong in the playoffs at all. Mm-hmm. Seattle's got the pitching. I just watched a series of them. I don't think they have the bats to do anything, but they could be a wild card team as well. You know, maybe a team like Boston could sneak in there. I think that the Yankees are, are dead in the water personally, but you know, we're at the point where I even worry about the Rays being in that top four. I mean, they have lost so much starting pitching this season. And now to have McClanahan who could have won the Cy Young this year, go down for the rest of the year. And their offense has not been what it was when they took that big lead and had the winning streak to start the year. It's just going to be so interesting because you look at the big four, and I think you're right. Like I think most people would agree. That's that's the best four teams in the AL. Those are the four teams that are maybe going to compete to, to represent the AL in the World Series. But you got an Orioles team who they haven't done it. They, they've never done it. This is very new for them. A Texas team who this group of, of Texas Rangers, they, they haven't done it. I mean, they have some veteran pieces who have done it, but this team put together hasn't. Now they do have Bruce Bochy. I think that gives them a little leg up. And then you have this Rays team, which is so injured. I do worry that how exciting it is, it feels like the Astros are just kind of sitting there going, all right, you know, we well, have got the third or fourth best record, but we're the team that has done it, done it, time in, time out, and still has that roster. If you ask me, like, what team in the AL scares you the most, it's it's Houston for me right now. I just think they've done it so many times before. That roster is is so deep, and uh, they, I think they're scaring pretty much everyone else in the American League, but it'll definitely be fun down the stretch. Yeah, that would be awesome to see Camden Yards in the play. I mean, can you imagine an ALCS between them and Houston? I mean, for the ratings, for everything, I think America loves to hate great teams. So, obviously, with the cheating scandal and everything, I mean, they're going to hate on Houston, you know, nonstop. And, you know, Baltimore's kind of going to kind of be everybody's favorite, right? They're going to want them to pull it out. I think you're right. I think that would just be a hell of a series. I mean, you got to get there first, obviously, but. I've been really impressed by this Baltimore team when I, you know, I watch them on a limited basis, but they're just fun, man. They got young guys that hit. I mean, you know, like anything else, a couple of good games, a couple of bad games. But like you said, they haven't gotten swept in, what was it, 70, 78? 78 consecutive series. Yeah, it was. That's the insane. Series, the series before they called up Adley Rutschman last May was the start of the streak. And so basically since Adley's been called up, they haven't been swept. It's 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 kind of incredible. I mean, the worst teams in baseball win 60 games. I mean, you know, maybe not the Tigers, but I mean, you know, some of the worst teams in baseball. Multiple times they haven't gotten the 60. <laughs> and, and just. I'm not too far behind. So the Phillies have went through some years. I mean, they set the all-time record for losing his franchise in sports history. I was there in 2007. They lost their 10,000th game to the St. Louis Cardinals. So believe me, I've I've sat in the vet in just miserable seasons <laughs> watching the Phillies. Connor, what – I know we I don't know how often you get to talk and and give your opinions on National League. The the NL Central is just it, it, it's a hodgepodge. It, it's like what the a, we wish the AL Central was where it seems like there's a bunch of teams that could make moves, there's some talent there. It is fun. Cubs are fun, Reds are fun. Uh it's nice to get some new faces outside of the cards. What's your take on the NL and and maybe start with the NL Central because it, it's a fascinating division to me. I like the Brewers. 
just because they've got the pitching staff, it's getting healthy. You know, they just got Brandon Woodruff back. Freddie Peralta is looking good again. They've got the staff to do it. They've been the team. They've kind of been like the de facto team out of the NL Central for a couple of years now where it's like, is anybody else trying besides the Brewers? And the Brewers win 88 games. They're like, we won the division. Congratulations. And then they haven't really made really that run in the postseason yet. I do think if there's a challenger for them, it's the Cubs. I kind of yeah. like that the Cubs kept it together at the deadline. You know, they 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 may have added like barely on the edges to the roster. They basically kept the roster together. And there was a lot of guys they could have traded from that team. I like that they kept it together because I'm going to tell you right now, I think the Cubs are a lot better than the Reds, to be honest. The Reds are kind of in free fall right now, and I think that's going to continue. I think we might oh, see they the Reds just finish. have no pitch. Yeah, There's I think no... we might see them finish with a losing record. Um, I know they're going to get like Hunter Green back, and, and that's going to help them out a little bit in, in the rotation, and they'll get a couple of the other injured pitchers back at some point in September. But I think Cubs Brewers could actually be a a pretty exciting race here. You know, the Pirates were kind of a fun story at the beginning of the year, but yeah. we've seen that crash. I mean, that roster just did not have the talent uh, to do what they were doing. But yeah, it's I think it's going to be fun and. And it's, it is similar to the AL where like the second place team, I don't think is going to end up with a wild card. Like it's just going to be that, that one team, that division winner, but at least in the NL central, you've got the brewers who like look like a winning baseball team. Every time they go out there, you got the Cubs who are starting to look like a winning baseball team. When they go out there, the reds are exciting. You know, people have been talking about the NL and AL central, like in lockstep for a lot this year. I think the NL central is, is clearly now up here. Oh, no question. That AL central uh, is no just, question. You, yeah. you have multiple teams who the yeah. fact that Tigers are squarely in third place is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Little winning streak. They're right in there. I, all just, I need. It, you know, it's it's incredible. Um, I don't want to talk about bad baseball, though. It, AL or NL East, one of transition. We brought up America's team, the, the Braves. Do you think the Braves are – clear cut because to me just watching them pitching hitting fielding they do everything right do you think this is the year they just kind of they put it all together they get past the Dodgers they get to the the World Series or do you still see maybe a flaw there I mean I think this is the best iteration of the Braves team we've seen yet and, you know, that's including the team that won the World Series two years ago. I mean, remember that team had to, like, revamp its entire outfield at the deadline because they were so injured and they were not getting a lot of production. I mean, they did some things at the deadline, but did they really need to? I mean, you look at this team, it stayed fairly healthy. You know, the pitching's been spotty health-wise, but they're starting to get guys like Max Fried back. This team's just ridiculous. I mean, how they – and it, it must be 10 times more frustrating, like, as an NLEs fan, but just – to see this, oh team, no, I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love. To it. See I just, this team, I'm so happy for friends that are yeah. and, Braves fans. And you see how good these guys are, like Albies and Riley and Acuna. But the fact that they can just sign these guys to these extensions that are so far below market value for so look, many years, look at it's like nobody Matt ever Olson. hits free agency. You go get Sean Murphy, you go get Matt Olson. All of a sudden, they're Braves for ten years. The minute they yeah, get yeah. traded there, like and, yes, and of they, course. And Olson, what's he at? 43, 44 homers he's, right now. He's it's... what? I mean, at worst, he's a tick below Freddie Freeman after letting Freddie Freeman walk, and they just go get Listen. Matt Olson. And, I, I I hate to burst your guys' bubble, but there's a Ponzi scheme going on here. I've already put a call into Manford. I put a call into the league. I'm talking to lawyers. They, you're talking to the FCC. It's illegal. Yeah. It's, illegal. FCC. It, yeah. it's illegal. It really is. I mean, it's just their drafting. The thing that always baffled me was, like, Phillies have always struggled with their drafting. I know, shocker. Um, but, like, 
grab somebody from the organization. Just grab the guy that works in the mailroom and just bring him in. You know, somebody that has ties to that organization because they just draft unbelievable. I mean, I think the players they come up with, it, it's disgusting. The thing that that really just makes me question it beyond just the 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 extensions they get guys to sign. I think the Albies one has by far been the worst one. Like you look at that extension, you go, who was his agent that he allowed that deal to be signed? But the weird thing is, this is more of like an inside media kind of thing. But if you've noticed, like when the Braves make a trade or they make a signing, it's never broken by Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal. It's just statement put out by the Braves. We have traded for this player. We have signed mm-hmm. this player. Not only are they somehow operating some sort of scheme, but they're keeping it all in-house and nothing ever leaks. I just don't get it. I mean, they're the best team in baseball this year. I don't think anyone is arguing with that. I mean, the O's went and played them in Atlanta, played a really good series down there. It was, tight. Lost two it out was of a good three. series, yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they had they had the lead in the eighth in game two and lost. They went to extras in game three. Like the O's could have won that series. And I just looked at that team and I was like, the Orioles just did everything they could, and they still lost two out of three on the road against this team. It's just the talent they have is ridiculous. Now, you never know, as we saw with them last year, you never know in a five-game series, something could happen, and boom, they're out of the playoffs. But over a long haul, I mean, it's the best team in baseball. You know what? Last their last, last year, their team was a little different, too. Cunha wasn't 100%. And, you know, even last year, they struggled in the first half. The Mets had the big lead, which you hate to see. I mean, can you imagine blowing a 10-game lead? I mean, <laughs> Man, you know, you really thing. start to feel bad for these Mets fans. It's really tough. I, tough, tough, 10 game lead, tough, but yeah, no, they, they, they blow a 10 game lead in the division to this team, but Atlanta after that, you know, it was such a dog fight last year between Atlanta and New York. And even a lot of New York in the off season, they kept saying, you know, even the Mets, they were so burnt out by the end of that race that they had got swept on that final uh, series with the Braves on the, I think it was a weekend series. And then they had three more games after that. And, even the Braves, too. Once the Braves won the division, it was like, that's it. They quit. You know, that, it was just like, that's it. They got there, and then they had a little bit of a break. That's what's always scary in baseball, especially with these buys. I always feel like anytime these teams get a little bit of a buys, I mean, Stu knows his team had one of the biggest buys ever going into the World Series. I mean, we don't, we don't, I, we I don't need to know. talk about these things. Baseball is such a weird game, though. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, I'd rather the team just continue playing. Yeah, and the O's could be in that spot, right? I mean, if they win this division, they're certainly going to be one of the top two. I mean, there's no way the Central winner ends up with a better record than you know the the West or the the East winner in the AL. So they're going to sit for that wild card series, and it'll be nice. You can set your rotation, you can you know rest your bullpen, you can make sure Felix Bautista is ready to throw four games in a row if he has to in the ALDS. But you, you do worry about it; those hitters, you know, getting out of rhythm just a little bit. Um, but for Orioles fans, it's almost like those are certainly things to worry about. But we haven't had to think about it in so long at this point that it's just like, yes, yeah, bring on those issues. That is what I want the issues to be. You know, who who's sitting too long and, you know, can they hold on to first place or will they have to play in the wild card series? That's that's really kind of the, the vibe in Baltimore at this point. And kind of with the young guys, you would think to me, I, I would think like with them, they don't even almost know the spot that they're going to be in. Right. Like, exactly. it's not like this is a veteran team that like couldn't get over the hump and they finally get in and it's, you know, everybody's so excited to finally get in and then they tighten up. It's almost, it's just, you know what I mean? They're young guys get out there and I mean, just, you know, let it roll. Incredible. Just 
example of they don't know what they don't know on this team. I mean, I, I mentioned like Kyle Gibson being the guy with the playoff experience. I mean, you look at the roster, it's like Kyle Gibson and now Jack Flaherty on the pitching staff have, have pitched in the postseason. You look at the position players like Adam Frazier played in the postseason last year. James McCann has been in the postseason. Oh, yeah, with bit. the Tigers, baby. Yeah. He's been there. And, I mean, Aaron Hicks has been in the postseason. Yep. But these aren't even, like, the oh, yeah. big-time contributors for the Orioles. Like, these are the veterans on the edges who just are there to, you know, bring the support, give a little production, and 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 show you the ropes a bit. But, like, the guys that are producing for the O's, they've never been in the playoffs, and they don't really care about the pressure, honestly. I mean, I don't know if you saw, like, the, the Orioles' young guys show up in the jumpsuits last week. Uh, the, the infamous picture that or picture that was going around Twitter, like there's not a clubhouse that is probably as loose as this Orioles clubhouse is right now. And they're, they're winning games and they're kind of playing with house money. And I think that's going to help them in the postseason, honestly, because you could have a team like the Rays, who's been good for a while, but still hasn't gotten that World Series. Now there's the pressure and they lost that big division lead and now they're injured or a team like the Rangers where it's like, hey, we might be opening a window, but they still got some older guys. They got a Max Scherzer. They got a Bruce Bochy. You know, there's going to be some more pressure on some of these teams than there is on the Orioles when they go to the postseason. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, absolutely. Especially with the Rangers. They spent all that money. You know, Houston, obviously, but they're used to it. Um, I, I wanted to ask you before we let you go, how's the feeling in Baltimore? I mean, I don't really pay attention much to the radio down there. I, I'm pretty sure is it more of a Raven city than it is Orioles, but have the Orioles now captured everybody? I mean, what what is the feeling? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a pretty split city. I mean Baltimore's a baseball city because they went a while without a football team when the Colts left before the Ravens came back or, or before the Ravens you know they got the team and the Ravens in '96. So that kind of cemented it as a baseball city. Now it's been more of a football city for a while because the Ravens got good basically as soon as they got here and they won two Super Bowls since '96. Where the Orioles in the middle, like right when the Ravens showed up, basically the Orioles went into their 15 year skid of 15 straight losing seasons. So that really turned it into a bit of a football city. Buck Showalter brought it back baseball-wise. It's pretty even split now because they re-signed Lamar Jackson, so you got the hype of training camp of the Ravens, and you got the Orioles in first place. And it's nice to have just the two teams, and the city can kind of build around both. But the feeling in Baltimore is just like, we didn't expect this at all. Like, I think Orioles fans, after seeing them, you know, get over 500, come close to the playoffs last year, thought, all right, this is a team that's going to be in a wild-card hunt all year. It's going to be a fun race and a really good division. They may not make the playoffs because the division so good, but they're going to be playing meaningful baseball every night. No one thought this team would be in first place, 30 games above 500 in, in August. So it's almost like, how do we react now? Because you want to be frustrated with fit things, but they don't give you many things to be frustrated about, to be honest. They're playing good baseball. They're so much fun. And I'm really interested to see how the city reacts once it comes playoff time, because the O's haven't been in the postseason since 2016. And that year they played one game in Toronto. Zach Britton didn't pitch and they lost in the wildcard game. They haven't hosted a playoff game since 2014. That was the last time, you know, they were in the ALCS that year. Last time with real big expectations going into a year and, or at least going into a playoffs. And I don't know how they're going to react, but I think it's been like overly positive besides, you know, owner John Angelos and when he tries to meddle in things, but otherwise overly positive about what's going on with this team. It, with Kevin Brown back, and we'll end on that that little tidbit. Kevin Brown, obviously, like I got I got Jedi mind tricked. I'm like, well, wait, I'm expecting him to drop like uh, you know, like calling some lady a whore or something, or like <laughs> some like something crazy. Uh, it, nothing. He's just giving stats, and I'm like, oh, 
Um, and then obviously it, it catches wildfire. Some really great meme work out there by Twitter. Twitter's undefeated. Um, what What's your take on it? I mean, everybody generally just goes, okay, this is the Angelos is just going, being them and just being douchebags and it is what it is. But it was nice to see that pressure got to him and, and he kind of caved on that. But you're in the thick of it. You have to live with it. I mean, what's your thoughts? It's John Angelos, unfortunately. And it's how he's run things for a long time, not just the Orioles, but Masson as well, because he, you know, owns Masson, oversees Masson as the TV network and, you know, digital network as well. And it's just, he just has the thinnest skin and it's his way or the highway. And the people that he has kept in the organization are his yes men, basically. And so they do his dirty work. And when anything is off, the script of what John Angelos wants to see. It's not like a conversation. Hey, you know, let's do it this way. It's immediate. Take that down, take them off the air. Like it goes from zero to 100 for him a lot. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird word to use it in, in this setting, but he's kind of, he's like easily triggered basically is that anything happens. And immediately it's like, he's off, he's gone. Take it down. It's happened with front office people. It's happened with people who have worked for the team and it happens with a beloved broadcaster and Kevin Brown, who literally was just doing his job. And, he's you know, phenomenal suspended too. He's for two so weeks. And he's awesome. He's so good. Yeah, he's and a very good broadcaster. And I, you know, I, I shared a lot of my thoughts on on my podcast last week, and and I have some other not connections personally with Angelos, but know a lot of the things that have gone on the behind the scenes because the people I know that it just some of the the way he runs the Orioles and the way he runs Masson is just not it's it's not okay. And <laughs> but I, I talked about a lot of those things, but really I feel for Kevin. Because, you know, Kevin puts out that statement on Friday, right before he returned for the Mariners game on Friday night. And, I mean, Michael Kay said it best on Yes Network. I mean, it read like a hostage statement, what he yeah. put out there. Like, yeah, it absolutely you, did. If you, if you had two eyes and a brain, you knew that Kevin Brown did not write that statement himself. And the fact that the Orioles retweeted it like 20 seconds after he posted it, you know they were telling him, post it, post it, post it. He posts it, boom. They're like, look, here's our statement. It's just... And I feel for him so bad because I know he's pissed and he wants to say things that he can't say. Like he went on the air Friday. He didn't address it at all because he knew if he did right back off the air. And at this point, you know, he's, he's bought a house in Baltimore. You know, he's been here since 2019. You know, he's, he's started a family here. He loves this team, even though it's not his like childhood team. You know, he grew up in the New York area. He's a Yankees fan, or at least he was as a, as a kid, but he's adopted this team. Baltimore's adopted him. He's got one of those prestigious 30 Major League Baseball TV jobs, and he's in his mid-30s. And yes, he's great, and someone else would hire him. And yes, he also works for ESPN and does a lot of great work there. But if he wants a Major League TV main number one guy job, none of the other 29 are open right now. Uh, the so Tigers are just gonna, says the Tigers position is oh it, it, yeah. our announcers are horrific. And horrific. if he just says I'm done, there's no guarantee yes. he's gonna get as big no. a role with another major league team that's this good and it's gonna be this good and have this many eyes on it for so long. It's a real tough career spot he's in, it's a real tough personal spot because he knows other people in like less prestigious positions are taking from Angelos and his henchmen, and it's a tough balance. Like, do I stand up for them and lose my job? Do I stand up for them? And maybe, you know, Angelos is friends with other owners who don't want to hire me. Like 
I don't really know what the right thing for him to do is right now. I, I, I think I was pretty certain he was just going to come back and play out the season, but I'm not certain he's going to come back after this year. Like, how do you work in those conditions year after year? You know, so somebody had mentioned that on a show I was listening to that in the off season, he's going to go or he's going to go somewhere else. But somebody had said on, it was on Beeson. They were talking about it and somebody said, but he had just signed a new deal with them recently. Am, am I right in that or no? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure where his deal is. There's been different reporting. One thing the Orioles do is they don't release deals. The Not even just Orioles fans, Orioles media does not know the current status of even Brandon Hyde or Mike Elias's contract. They don't even let that stuff out. That's your manager and GM. And we wow. don't know when their deals are going to be expiring. So it's almost impossible to get the true news on what Kevin Brown's deal looks like. But even if it's, you know, lasting past this year, I mean, he can go jump to another job if, if someone, you know, calls him in and, and hires him away. I just, I mean, it was a tough decision, you know, coming back and not saying anything and putting out the hostage statement, but it's going to be an even tougher decision for him come this off season. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I wish him the best. I, I, you know, have met him multiple times and, and know him somewhat besides just like the, the voice of the Orioles and listening to him every night. Um, and he's been amazing to me, been amazing to other young broadcasters, been amazing to people in the community, to Orioles fans. He's just in like an awful, awful spot right now. And I, I have no idea what I would do in his position at the moment. Well, well that's, that's tough. Uh, this is also the guy who, who was, um, Oh, the great broadcaster before Kevin Brown, uh, there for years. Gary, Gary Thorne, they pushed out Gary as well. Thorne. Yeah, yeah, and Gary Thorne is like, when I think of sports, growing up, it's like Gary Thorne's in there. Brent Musburger's up there. Like Gary Thorne's like one of the all time, all time greats. Legendary. Yeah, phenomenal. And it's like hockey he's, for a lot of it, right? Oh, Gary yeah, hot, yeah. Amazing he was the guy yeah. yeah as soon as i moved out here i was like oh he's calling massing you this is incredible this is great i'll just throw down and just turn the volume up and we're we're good to go but um yeah it, it, a guy who gets rid of a guy like that and and does this to a good upcomer i mean at least they got a good ball club and you got yeah. Mike Elias running the show, so that's a yeah. saving grace. You can turn to the field at seven oh five or you know nine forty sometimes, and you can at least say, "All right, we got we got a good product to uh, to watch tonight." That's Connor, where where can uh, people get the show and uh, oh, hear your thoughts on the day to day comings and goings? Yeah, it's the Locked On Orioles podcast. Uh, you can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and we're also on YouTube, Locked On Orioles podcast. Make sure to like, comment. And subscribe, and then on what I will still be calling Twitter uh, is at Locked On Orioles for all Orioles memes and musings and, and thoughts on the team. Is uh, you know about six weeks here left in this uh, this regular season, and it's a, it's a division run for this O's team to go from 110 losses in 2021 to try and win a division, maybe the the best division in, in years in baseball two years later. So it'll be a fun time. No, it's gonna be an exciting stretch run, and that'll do it for us this week. Remember, Phil Steele. Earlier this week, check that out. Uh, next week, I don't know what we have planned, Rob. We're almost at college football. It's uh, Rob's on really anti-Maryland, Connor. It's really hate. It, it's hard to mm. see. Hard to see. I love Maryland. I love friends. no. I love Mar. I love Maryland. You you're not a big fan of Maryland. It's it's a shame, Rob. So just remember that next time, Connor. Um, and uh, we'll I'm get a Philly scumbag. What are you gonna do? Yeah. 
we're going to get back to it uh, next week. But until then, take care, brush your hair, and uh, we'll see you after a while.